You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, America, and welcome to America's Web Radio. And it's time now, and we've got some special listeners I want to give a shout-out to in a little while, uh, to a veteran's place. And uh, we've got our man, Dr. Dentist and Dr. M.D., Don Muller on. And uh, Don, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Got a great program uh, for you. Uh, today, Dave, and, uh, and for our veterans. Fantastic. So let's get, we'll jump right into it. Uh, it's all yours, Don. Okay, well, <clears throat> what we want to do today is, first of all, uh, remind everybody that the purpose of this uh, broadcast is for a therapeutic benefit. It is not uh, to amuse the, the listeners <clears throat> who have better things to do with their time. It's always directed towards a therapeutic purpose. And the main topic of discussion is basically veteran health. But we are doing an extensive um, series and discussion on post-traumatic stress disorder. And the main, the main point in, in every broadcast is that after you spend an hour with us, and actually with other veterans who are listening and our first responders, never want to forget them, that you're supposed to leave having more hope for the problems you have or if you are a spouse or a, a child of a dad or mom with PTSD, you're going to have a, have a better understanding. And it may be that you're able to help them uh, uh, where they can't help themselves. Uh I wanted to start, uh, we have a couple general topics. We're going to get to some specific stuff and, and what it's like to undergo treatment and what are the treatments. And we don't want to engender any fear. Uh, they're, they're not, you're not going to be poked with needles and have a lot of brain stuff done. Uh, it's mostly a discussion, but I want to allay fears and some barriers. I'll call it barriers to care. Now, I invented another word. We all know what fur buds are. Those are like a dog or a cat or a hamster. They're your buddies. And one thing that characterizes your fur bud is they're non-judgmental. They're close. They like to be touched. And uh, you can count on them. No matter how bad your day was, when you get home, they're there waiting for you and you're still the hero. Well, what's a fear? F-E-A-R, bud. Okay, fear buds are the people who are listening to this show, or their kids, or their wives. Fear buds are the people who push through big amounts of fear to get the job done. Well, that's first responders. That's a police. That's the EMTs, the firemen, and, of course, our veterans. And so what's... The relationship between a fur bud and a fear bud. Your fear buds are the people that are important, your support group. And when you talk to your fear bud, he is not going to judge you for what you did or had to do. And why is that? Because someone that's been in the trenches uh, trying to deliver either care or 
buddies from the bad guys. You don't judge uh, anybody uh, for what they had to do and the time they had to do it. This is not a class in philosophy in college where the professor tosses and you, you go to library for a couple evenings and you read about what, what he's going to discuss. No, these are immediate decisions that are demanded and you don't have time. And a lot of, a lot of things that people don't understand is you don't learn everything as an infantry soldier or artillery or an EMT. You're going to have different situations. You learn principles of action and principles of action do not cover everything you're going to deal with. Now, the main thing that we want to stress again, the worldview of a fear bud is going to be very similar to yours. So when you're talking to them, you're going to get a non-judgmental response. Now, the first thing when people think about getting care, let's say counseling, is that you're a health care provider. You're going to be in a room with the health care provider and that health care provider is not a fear bud. That health care provider may be a 28-year-old psychologist with a Ph.D. or master's degree who doesn't have a clue what you went through. Well, we're going to talk about that later in the show to, to let you know that the guidelines that they will be using, that these health care providers will be using, are not going to be in a judgmental framework. And I'll explain uh, that later. I'm using the latest textbook here on post-traumatic stress disorder. It's huge, uh, and I'll reference it. But these are nationally uh, uh, approved guidelines. So you're not going to be intimidated by a non-fear bud in the room. And, and, and I, will, I will make this statement, and I've made it to hundreds of veterans I've met. If you read... If you have a healthcare provider that gives the statement or makes a statement, you just need to suck it up and get over it. You, you, you tell them, hey, thanks for taking your time, but you're not going to be my therapist, and you just get up and walk out of the room. Don't, don't ever listen to that. I don't care who it is. You just need to suck it up and get over it. Uh, that is an unacceptable response, and I'm I don't make many proclamations on this show, but that's one of them. Just thank them, tell them to have a nice day, and walk out. Now, the worldview is critical for the information that we're going to provide. You have to understand, and I, and I had a patient yesterday, a wonderful guy came in, and I shared with him the same things uh, that, that we're talking about now. That the appointment in my office is supposed to be an hour, but it never is. And after an hour and a half, the patient said, I've never heard this before. I didn't know there was that much hope. And so that was a reminder to me of how important this program can be. Now, let me show you a couple barriers. First of all, it's the fear bud. Uh, have a fear bud for your friend. He's not going to cry in his beer or her beer. They're support groups, non-judgmental support groups. Well, let's look at some other barriers. We are adapt and overcome people. 
do you have, you need to actually ask yourself this, or write it down. What is your end point for when you're going to finally admit uh, that something's wrong? Now, I made the analogy about having a rubber frame picture with a rubber picture. You know, you've been living in a distorted worldview when you have PTSD. Because it, and I, and I brought this up to the patient yesterday, and he was amazed. He says, yeah, you're right on. It's a slow stretching of the frame and the slow stretching of that picture. And I said, it excludes your relationships, it distorts relationships, and it distorts your goals in life. So you have to understand, write it down. When is, when is it going to be bad enough that you're going to decide that I need help? That, that has to be a critical point. That's always a barrier that you have any disease. Uh, when is your chest pain going to reach the point where you think, hey, it's you and you're having a heart attack? When is, you've got to have a, you've got to have a point, but you have to realize that point that you establish is going to be in a distorted worldview. The patient I spoke to yesterday said, you know, you're right. My relationships with my family are suffering. And it happens gradually. You didn't notice it. Is that going to be one of your endpoints? Have you set a date? You need to go up to your calendar. You don't, as a matter of fact, you don't have to do anything. I suggest that you go to your calendar, and and by let's say the end of January, say I'm going to kind of listen to a couple of these shows, and I'm going to get some ideas, and, and I'm going to look closely at relationships and, and see if they're not more stressed than they were be, before I had PTSD. So I'm going to use another term, and, I, and I'm doing this on purpose. It's called post-traumatic stress diabetes, PTSD. It's got the same initials, but I want to use this for two reasons. One, it does apply to PTSD because patients with PTSD have increased uh, uh, amounts of prevalence of diabetes. So if you go to your doctor with post-traumatic stress diabetes, you're going to expect to have some blood drawn. You're going to expect to have urine samples for blood sugars uh, and blood stick blood sugars and some other laboratory tests. You see, post-traumatic stress diabetes is just not treated by itself. You don't just take a pill or take insulin. It comes with a set of recommendations and counseling. In other words, if you if you have post-traumatic stress diabetes or diabetes of any sort, and depending on your age and the length you've had it, your life has changed. You're going to have to worry about your diet. You just don't shove food in your mouth with reckless abandon. You're going to have to look at that. Well, in PTSD with relationships, you just don't jump back in the game. It's not the same. You have to concentrate on your relationships. You have to concentrate on the seven principles, and we're going to start to address those that are recognized in the treatment regimen. So, for example, another reason that diabetes is similar to PTSD, it's not very noticeable. You can have PTSD, uh, excuse me, diabetes, and you can slowly become tired. You go, why am I tired? Why am I peeing more? Why am I going to the bathroom more? Well, why do I seem to eat more and not gain weight? Why are my feet feeling different? Why do the nerves in my feet? Well, well, why is that? 
Well, those are very subtle changes, and they're very gradual. And what may bring you into the emergency room? Well, when your blood sugar hits four, five, six, hundred, twelve hundred, and it's out of control, and and you and you and you're soaking like a wet dish rag, and you can't move. So there's somewhere that you're going to have to call the game, and you're going to have to go in to get help. So we're going to ca- go ahead. Dave. All right. Okay, we're going to take a break right quick, and uh, we'll be back with Don right after this. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. And I want to give a special shout-out to uh, a couple of our listeners at... uh, Mike Mazzell, he's the director of the Healing Wall. It's in, uh, it's the replica of the uh, Vietnam Wall that's in Washington, D.C. This is the wall that traveled all over the country. And uh, people all over the country have gone to it and uh, closed some issues over the, over different time periods. And, uh, it has been very successful. And uh, Mike Mazel, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Mike Mazel, is the director. He's retired. Uh, and also want to give a shout-out to Rick White, a very close friend of ours that uh, is the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, the Georgia Military Hall of Fame. And if you haven't been down there to the Hall of Fame, you gotta go. It is incredible. So with that being said, you're listening to America's Web Radio. And now let's get back to Dr. Don. Well, thanks, Dave. Uh, and George has a lot of heroes and they're, they're in that, in the Hall of Fame up there. And if you want to be humbled, uh, go there and, uh, and see. And I was at one of their induction ceremonies and, uh, you can't believe the kind of talent and, and hero, heroes that we have right here in our own state. So it, it's, a, it's a wonderful experience, even if you have a chance to go to the initiation. So the, the thing that the next barrier is motivation. And like, how do you get motivated to finally say, today I'm going to, I'm tired of living a PTSD controlled life? Well, and this morning, just for grins, I looked up the word motivation and how to motivate yourself on Google. And there's there's just buckets of advice and things. I don't know that it applies to our veterans and first responders. First of all, uh, it took a lot of grit to get up and go to a war zone or do your job or get through basic training. And so when it comes to motivation, uh, I'm really not going to, going to give you a little trick to motivate yourself. The good news is is that you know the pain incurred in discipline, and you're going to have to one day wake up and just say, like, i got to do it. Now, 
and I'm not going to call call the non-military first responders snowflakes. I, I would not know, honestly, how to motivate a snowflake. All right? I, I don't know what makes them tick, but the veterans and first responders need to understand they've got it when they, they have the capability of digging down deep. So you just the switch is there. You just have to turn it on. For a snowflake, again, uh, you say, oh, that's probably not what you call it, politically correct language, tough. Uh, you, you have the ability to reach down and do it because you did it once or many times. You just have to reach down and get the switch. Now, we discussed uh, PTSD, and I'm going to transition now into what you can expect and what's therapy. Like, it's you don't go into a dark hole and you know, people scream at you like a like a waterboarding. It's nothing like that. It's basically kind of why I transitioned. I renamed just for the purposes of this broadcast PTSD C six R D. Why? That's cognition changes. And I'm going to put these down for those that didn't get recognition, reassessment, rationalization, remediation response and reevaluation. Well, that's what your therapist is going to lead you through, a program very similar. They're not going to take your brain out and play with it and put it back in at the end of the session. They're going to lead you through a program that's designed exactly for you and your goals, which have been established before they even start. So let's... Let's start discussing. There's, and, and I'm going to give this book big credit. It's the book called The Second Edition, Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. It's pretty thick. Uh, it's got it right here. It's got about mm, 600 and something pages in it. Maybe more than you want to read, but it's written by Julian B. Ford. He's one of the authors. And it's the... Uh, scientific and professional dimensions and that's that's i mean that's a level i want to interface but i just wanted to throw it out there that it's not some kind of four page uh, handout i found in the gas station now we're going to go through the seven principles listed in that book of therapeutic interventions there are seven of them and this is going to assure you the quality of the care that you're going to get it's not going to be a surprise. And nowhere in the entire book that I ever read that first thing you tell a patient is suck it up and get over it and get on with your life. It's not in there. That's why I boldly made the statement. If you ever hear that, just say, thanks for your help. I'll go find somebody who's finished high school. You don't have to add that. Okay. First principle. The patients may continue to live in conditions of danger or chaos, that has to be corrected. That is the first therapeutic intervention. It doesn't matter where you get it. If you go in and say, I have PTSD, the first question will be, where are you living? And you say, well, I don't have a home. Well, I live in a, in a rough neighborhood, or I'm in between homes, or I'm, I just got thrown out of my apartment. You cannot heal until you get a stable environment. You have to be taken out of conditions of danger or chaos, and those are the two terms used in this book. 
Now, the other thing that you have to kind of consider and be rescued from are conditions and lifestyles and behaviors which put you at risk as well. So how do these things start? Well, we all know we have friends with PTSD, and, and obviously we're not judging them. The only way they're getting through the day is with drugs and alcohol and other things. That's not meant because in a point, I have to rephrase this, they're trying to get through their day. They're trying to wipe out the nightmares and the controlling influences that PTSD, the the disorder has. It's different than just going out and taking drugs because you're bored with life. The veterans, first responders, they're caught. So when you go in to get care, when you finally walk in, you get motivated, they're, they're wonderful people. And I wanted to assure you that they're not going to tell you to suck it up and get over it. And they're not going to... You don't get into the, the discussing how it happened, how you fell into the, the pit, what horrible thing happened. That's different kind of therapy, and we'll talk about that later. But you're not the first five minutes they're going to put you in a virtual reality machine and scare the bejesus out of you. They're not doing that. They're going to, they're going to find out if you're in a safe place and, they're, and they have staff to help you get to a safe place. You're also going to find out if you have a problem with substance abuse disorder, which is common with PTSD. They're going to help you work through that. You can't you can't be healed uh, and helped in, in, in a situation like that. Remember, you know, cigarettes are, are a hobby that may start in high school. But when you have PTSD, it's how you get through your day. And just telling somebody with PTSD, hey, you, you, you just need to quit smoking. Yeah, right. It's just that easy. So what you, what you have to understand is when you're living in a risky environment, smoking and recreational drugs, we'll call them, or I'll call them for PTSD other than recreation. You're not doing it for recreation. You, you have, that's part of the treatment plan, just like diabetes. And that's why I'm, I'm going to refer to that. <clears throat> you may love to eat cookies, and, and I do, ice cream and sweets, well, <clears throat> that's part of the therapy. You're going to have to understand that that's, that's got to be cut way, way, way back or, or basically off because you're, you're trying to fight a war with on two fronts. Okay. So another thing they're going to ask you about is self-injury. Now, Basically, self-injury may include cutting yourself and suicide, but basically self-injury is is what the, the, the drugs, the alcohol, and the smoking. Now you say, well, I, I, I have to keep that stuff in my life. And your therapist will understand that. They, don't, they do not stop therapy because you can't quit smoking. Don't. Don't think that. You say, hey, i got to have a beer when I go home. The first thing they're going to do is not tell you you can't have another beer or whatever. They want to get you to a safe place as quickly as they can. And it does not mean uh, that they're going to pull you off the street and put you in a 
and, and, and incarcerate you. It's not going to happen. You, they're going to try and use their sociologists and, and people who are welfare, that's social welfare people, to help find you a safe place. So you got to remember, you got to be in a safe place uh, to start healing. Now, the second thing, uh, the rule in this big, huge book, it says therapy must enhance the client's ability to manage extreme bodily states at both ends of the spectrum. What that means is high arousal, totally freaking out, doing stupid stuff, versus a complete shutdown where you just kind of go in a corner and just do your own thing and turn life off. I'm going to read that again. This is right in their manual. Therapy must enhance the client's ability to manage extreme bodily states at both ends of the spectrum, hyperarousal and hypoarousal. I want to direct your attention to the fact that they call them us, <laughs> them, clients. You're not patient. You're a client. You have located these people. You're, you're not, I guess you could call yourself a customer, but you're a client. So you're in control. At no time in this huge book, at no time do they endorse removing your right to decide anything. They, Keep your brain in your skull, and it belongs to you, and you can put a lock on it. So, for example, they're concerned about hyperarousal. Now, one thing is the panic and the terror that you experience in a flashback. You also may have severe anger and rage. You may have an increased risk-taking behavior or addictive craving cravings. This is part of the hyperarousal that you experience in PTSD. These are very real things. This is not something that you just uh, can ignore. And who sees this stuff? Well, the people... Go ahead. Okay, Don, that that was some transition, but we are going to take a break right quick and uh, get... Back with uh, Dr. Don right after a couple of messages. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. 
Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now back to Dr. Don and a veteran's place here on America's Web Radio. And we want all veterans to know that you do have a place here. Be you a veteran or a first responder. And as I've said over and over again, the United States is a first responder. We are there first to help everybody, and uh, we recognize our first responders and uh, the job that they do, the job that they've done recently in California, the job that they've done throughout the South uh, since we've had some turbulent weather, and we, we tip our hats at all of them, and we certainly want to thank Don Moeller for his service. He's a veteran. He was a medic in Vietnam, and uh, he works with and loves veterans. And, you know, the joyous thing is when you see that you've helped somebody. And just like Don's patient yesterday when they were saying, I, I didn't know all of this. This, this is, you've, you've hit it right on the head. And uh, Don does a wonderful job. And if um, you'd like to uh, make a comment, we always encourage you to email gm at America's Web Radio, and we'll pass it on to Don. Or for any of our shows, we'll be happy to pass it on. Now, back to Don. Thanks, Dave. We are covering what it's like to undergo the uh, therapeutic uh, intervention, and we're discussing the seven principles of therapeutic in, uh, interventions. Uh, the first one was to get a safe environment. The second one, we're talking about how to uh, stabilize your PTSD, hyperarousal, and hypoarousal. So some emotional and physical numbness or spiritual and interpersonal alienation, and kind of a feeling of dissociation or utterly defeated kind of hopelessness. Now, that's the reason we emphasize on this program the hope that's out there. And part of the thing is, like, uh, we want to let you know what's going on with it. It's not a scary thing. We talked briefly about the people who, your health care providers, Therapy is changing. There's always going to be some therapeutic providers out there that are going to do the suck it up and move on. They're, go- they're, they're rapidly becoming the minority, okay? So just remember that. 
you know, if you hear a bad story from a buddy, uh, one of your fear, fear buds, say, hey, okay, I'll just find another therapist. But don't, don't even think about giving up on it because it is helpful. Now, all PTSD psychotherapies must teach recognizing the patient to re- the client to recognize their state of hyper or hypo arousal. And here it is, teach skills to reduce the increasing number of events, to reduce the increasing number of those events, which is arousal or hyper or hyper arousal, and to achieve, and here's the word they use, a mid-level window of optimal tolerance. Now, these are interesting words, but the skill that they're teaching is to keep you in the window of safety, okay? And what what are they going to teach you? Well, I mentioned them. That's why I call it the C6RD. They're going to use the general structural principles of reassessing, recognizing, and, and those other R words that I used to help you through this. You, you are kind of caught in a cyclic, we are caught in a cyclic problem of emotional arousal, too much and or too little, and hyperarousal. So when you, here's the go-to positions, and we'll talk about this more. You, with PTSD, you're trying to avoid a situation that's going to trigger more problems, an emotional uh, flip, flip out, we'll call it. I'm just going to use that to keep talking here. Some, an untoward event. Okay, so what do they do? They have some general skills that are called focused breathing. Well, okay, that may help some people. They may have a, a, a session in muscle relaxation. They also have stuff in mindfulness or meditation practices. Now, I'm going to bring up martial arts right now. I am not a master martial arts. In fact, the patient I saw yesterday was a martial artist. And he knew what I was saying. When you come to a threatening position, and I'm speaking just as an example in martial arts, if someone's in your face, you you have already practiced distance. You don't let people get within three feet of you on the street. You just don't. As soon as someone moves, and it's an unconscious behavior, closer than that, a martial artist will turn sideways and maybe start scratching his chest or bring his hand to his chin and look at you. Why does he do that? Because he feels safer doing that. It's This is rehearsed. You, when you turn sideways to a threat, you're less of a target. When you bring your hand to your face, like scratching your face or scratching your chest, you can block blows to your face. Now, why am I mentioning this? The first thing to make yourself comfortable in PTSD, we'll call it situation, are the skill sets. Your wife, most likely, your kids are not going to punch you. But you have to use practiced and rehearsed scenarios, and you have to work on it, like practicing a piano. You have to work on practicing 
confrontational episodes, and this may be part of your therapy and how you're going to handle it. Remember, in PTSD, and we're going to talk, we may get to it today, or we may get to it next session. We're going to talk about the neurophysiology of what's going on, okay? Your, your brain is hardwired to react in certain, in certain ways. We talked about the, um, amygdala, uh, which is the alert area. We talked about the hippocampus, which is kind of like your record, your file room. And then we talked about the prefrontal cortex, uh, which, which tells you, hey, we've been here before and let's use that. Well, in PTSD, your alert center's got a hair trigger. That's the amygdala. The hippocampus, which is the guy trying to figure it out, go through the files, unfortunately, that door is locked. That door is broken, can't get into it. And you're not in the mood to think about it, so you, you're running on the alert system. When you realize that you, this is how your brain was designed to work to preserve your life, you have to practice, literally practice going through scenarios to, to tone the situation down because your first go-to situation is the fight or flight, okay, in PTSD. It is not uh, uh, It is not to think through the situation. Remember, the people uh, who you meet on the, on the street, uh, maybe an accountant or, or a street sweeper, who knows, they don't respond like we do. They do not immediately have an alert area in their brain that goes to the, the red light flashes. And in martial arts, uh, they will also tell you, and this is a known response, and my instructor uh, illustrated this, you have to know that to stay loose is speed, and speed is victory. Now, why did I bring that up? Well, even if you know you're going to end up into a, in, into a, into a situation, it's going to end up in a little punching. Somebody who gets tight speed really is decreased significantly, and staying loose, you have speed, and speed is surprise. So why do I mention that in your in your rehearsals? The first thing you do to stay loose in a confrontation. Now, see, for a confrontation, guys, I'm not talking about pulling a knife on you. Confrontation is you got some clown who keeps pushing your buttons and won't back off, okay? For the average guy, he doesn't have any go-to uh, amygdala red light going on. He just keeps taking it. Well, unfortunately, in PTSD, after a couple buttons are pushed, you kind of go through the forget thinking about it, your file room's locked, and then it's game on, all right? So, basically, <clears throat> they're going to teach you how to practice these things and prepare for situations. So, what do you do? You now have a trained, practiced response. If, if there's a guy at work who's getting in your face and he's just asking for it, your therapist, and you, and you will go through this. You say, let's practice. And one of the things drills is the empty chair drill. Basically, you imagine the guy in the chair getting ready to hassle you, and you go through, what are you going to do? So 
so when the clown gets in your face, you basically, and this is critical to understand, you're going through your practice routine. And why do I say this? When, if you talk to a concert pianist, the really top people, they are listening to themselves play. And as strange as it sounds, when at our level down here, learn to play the piano, every note, we're, we're looking to which one comes next. World-class concert pianists are listening to themselves play. Okay, that's the level that you want to train to. When someone's getting in your face, you're really not even, you're not listening. You're, you're going through your learned routine of how to de-escalate this situation. All right, now we have the third principle. Uh, third principle is must enhance client's ability to approach and gain mastery rather than shut off awareness of the internal body affective states and external events that trigger PTSD symptoms. That's what I was talking about. Now, if it sounds like I'm reading that, you're absolutely right. I'm going to read it again because this is the guidelines that your therapists are working towards must enhance the clients, not patients, clients, ability to approach and gain mastery over this situation rather than shut off awareness of the internal body affective states and external events that trigger PTSD symptoms. What is that meaning? So you come up against one of these clowns that's going to start pushing your buttons. You don't, you don't go to the amygdala and ask for advice. You go to your training. You go to the records room, the hippocampus, and you go, oh, I know what this guy's doing. So you de-escalate internally. That's why I mentioned the, the martial arts. You turn sideways. You're listening. But your body is relaxing because it's in a defensive mode. You cannot face a hostile individual face-on. If you're in martial arts, you're a huge target. And so what I'm telling you here is the same principles involved for a martial artist to turn sideways and gently start scratching his chest. He's got his hand where he needs it. He's one up. On, on, on the intimidator. So these are principles that they're going to teach you. You'll practice these. How do arguments at work, at home, relationships start to go sour? How do they push your buttons? Now, what you're talking about, it's an automatic response. When you go into dissociation, that means I'm out of here. That is a process that's a form of avoidance. Okay? It's automatic and here's the critical part. I'm going to read this twice. It is automatic and occurs without conscious intention on the part of the individual. This is the hallmark of PTSD. This is right out of the 600-page book. Read it again. It is an automatic process which occurs without conscious intention on the part of the individual and is a hallmark of PTSD. So what's going on is when you light off, you don't even know you're on that pathway. And the therapist will bring this to your attention. 
the patient I had yesterday, he goes, man, I, I never knew that. I had no idea that's what was happening. Yeah, it is. You immediately go to the amygdala. The amygdala goes, hey, we got safety in mind here. Here's what you do. You avoid it or dissociate. That's part of the problem with PTSD. So resolving this avoidance problem is a benchmark for successful PTSD treatment. So there you go. That is what they're going to do in phase three, not phase three, that's a, a, a critical word, the third principle of treatment. There are different phases under these principles. But you will learn what's going on in your system. Now, let's go to talk about diabetes. When you take too much insulin, you start to feel shaky. You go, what's going on? Well, that's part of your therapy when you go to get treated for diabetes. If you're a veteran with diabetes, it still applies to PTSD. You say, I'm starting to feel jittery. It's not like, I don't know what's happening. You say, oh, I know what's happening now. I took too much insulin, so you reach in your pocket, and you get that little tube of glucose, and you give yourself a couple grams of sugar, wait a minute or two, and boom, you're fixed. Then you go get something more durable like a sandwich. But the point being, PTSD is merely... I want to say merely with a small M, a checklist of things you have to be educated about and go through. It is not a brain transplant. So these are skill sets that you're going to learn, which you already probably, for other reasons, like if you're a fireman, you have a skill set for unloading a ladder. You just don't pull it off a truck and hit somebody in the head. You've got a certain regime that you do. If your weapon jams, you go through a little... Uh, yeah, routine to get it functioning again. This is the same thing. If and if you if you work with equipment in in your specialty and you go, it's starting to sound funny. Well, that's when you say, hey, we got to do headspace and timing on this fifty cal. Okay, so it's very similar. You pull maintenance on yourself. All right, so it's very enabling now for for the client to gain conscious awareness when dissociation is a problem, and that's a, a, what we're talking about in avoidance. I read this right out of the book. This is what your therapists are going to teach you to do. It's not a horrible thing. They're going to go, hey, what were some of your problems last week? And you go, well, I got confronted. You know, my wife misinterpreted what I said. They'll work on that and bring your wife and family in. And you go, hey, look, this is what happens. This is what we're going to do to fix the problem. Again, they leave your brain in your skull and don't take it out. Now, another thing to know is uh, the avoidance in PT is initially is driven by a healthy motivation not to become overwhelmed when confronted by experiences. Well, guess what? That's what the military and first responders do. You've got a healthy motivation to finish that task because someone else's life is there. So you're forcing your body to go through situations, your mind controlling your body to go through situations, which you know are going to be scary. So you must understand avoidance must be understood in therapy as a reaction that is very difficult to stop. Why? Because it had a payoff from the amygdala. That's why you're here today if you've been in battle or you're a fireman. Don't tell me that a fireman has to run into a building that's on fire that you your your pulse isn't 200. 
There's no way the stuff that the first responders do and the soldiers should do is beyond uh, beyond comprehension to a lot of the the majority of people that are not and, and don't do that uh, for a living. You have to remember your amygdala is rigged for your survival. And, and my dad was an accountant, God love him. But he was, that's why I pick on accounts. I also took a couple courses in accounting. My point being, when you go to audit somebody's books, your heart is not pounding, okay? It's not the same as executing a rescue. All right. So continuing with the third principle, and there's seven both conscious and unconscious forms of avoidance and dissociation become problematic when they develop into inflexibility and they become automatic gen- what is this? and generalized to other activities. I'm reading this. I admit it. And why? Because I want you to get exactly what this textbook says. Both conscious. This is what's going on, guys and gals. Both conscious and unconscious forms of avoidance and dissociation. Two reasons why they become problematic. Inflexible and automatic. You, the sooner you jump down onto the amygdala railroad track, you're, you're already going on predetermined practice. You've been practicing it wrong, okay? Now, here's the other thing. That it generalizes to other activities and behaviors which cause emotional, relational, and behavioral constriction. And we kind of talked about that in one of the other sessions. So what's going on? You've got a learned response that is sponsored by your amygdala and a locked hippocampus, which can't say, hey, don't do this. And now it's not just in the battle scenarios, like if this happens, if you're ambushed, drop to the ground, put fire into the bushes. No. You start to see other threatening life situations which are threatening to you, and it gets this inflexible, automatic, generalized response to this behavior. Now, that's the damaging part of PTSD. This is an, remember, we said it was unconscious. Why are you doing this? Why did I jump in this guy's face? <laughs> I've been there, okay? It's very impressive sometimes to just watch watch yourself taking care of business. Okay, guys, but gals, what you got to do is you say, oh, I'm suspect, I'm well, susceptible, that's the word, susceptible to this kind of behavior. So you have to improve your game. You're not going to be perfect at it, trust me, from personal experience. I, I am just in the same boat as you guys. That's why I'm doing this. I'm not the captain of the lifeboat, but... Okay, so what I'm telling you is you have to practice this as best you can. Practice it like you practice an instrument or piano or what you'd like putting up a ladder for the firemen or EMTs and police, how to handcuff a clown, okay? So uh, we're kind of getting to the end of this. I don't want to beat it to death. We're covering the seven principles of therapy that the, your therapist will be using. So it's not going to be frightening. They're not going to grab your brain and play with it. You're in control. That's that's why I read these sections to you. That is a book that kind of is standard operating procedures, how they're supposed to treat you and how you're supposed 
to re- respond and, and what their goals are. So it's nothing to be afraid of uh, uh, to seek therapy. Now, therapy, remember, you call the client. You're not limping in there as a patient. You're a client, okay? Just like when you talk to a lawyer. You go, hey, you know, I've got a rental property. What do I do? It's like, oh, you're a patient. No, you're not. You're a client. And you can be treated as such. Well, Dave, I think I'll wrap it there at the end of the third principle. We've got a group to go. Well, we've, and, got, uh, we've got a few minutes. Uh, we got a few minutes. And uh, I was going to ask you on when you finally, when the PTSD client finally decides, okay, I need to go in and talk to somebody. Unlike a broken arm or uh, whatever, would you take somebody with you? Would you take your your uh, spouse with you? Would you take your wife with you, or your husband, or or uh, any maybe of your grown children with you? Uh, absolutely, Dave. Absolutely, absolutely. So the therapist, and, and, you know, listen. If you have a broken arm. <laughs> and you're 20 years old, that's pretty much a private problem. There's a lot of ways to break an arm, but I'm not talking meat pins and plates. That's personal, like, hey, mama, you know, I can't, you know, wash the dishes, whatever. But PTSD, as we've discussed, is a family, a family social problem and an interpersonal relationship. So you're you're right on, uh, as usual, babe, you're right on, yes, take a family member. And uh, is the uh, therapist going to be prepared for that? Absolutely. And from what we've learned today, let's say, you know, you, you say, uh, I would like to talk, to, know what the therapist does. Well, they're going to give you some medications and that's it. That's all we do here. <laughs> hey, listen, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Uh, you automatically know, oh, I'll call you, don't call me. And I want to repeat that. Part yeah. of this program is to just let you know, and that's why, state-of-the-art, and that's why I read this right out of this book, okay? This book, it comes out every 10 years. This one's 2015, 16 edition, so it's new stuff, okay? But if someone goes, no, we don't talk to clients, we just give you medicine, just medication, don't call them back. That's not the current state, And, and what I was reading you in my halted manner was word for word what this compendium of PTSD treatment says. Is that kind of iron that out for you? Oh yeah, and and I think everybody should know. And and it also gives uh, the person with PTSD the opportunity to speak with someone uh, in their yeah. family and say, "Look, I, you know, I want you to go with me." And uh, you know, what, what would you call that person, or do they have a name? Could you be, be more specific? What would I what would I call what? What would you call the person that goes with the person that has PTSD? Oh, well, well, when they answer the phone, you go, "Hey, I'm coming in for my first visit for for some some uh, PTSD stuff, uh, and I, I would like to bring my wife." Well, if they're experienced, they may say, "Well, you know what? For just the first twenty minutes." We'd like to do it, but then yes, we want it. We want you to do it. I mean, it may be that their first intake interview. I don't know, but they if they say no, we never want your family or a family member in the office. Find another office. 
okay? Because those people that don't realize that PTSD is a social problem, family problem, work problem, life-consuming problem, I use problem meaning there's plenty of hope, then you have to go with somebody who is on board with the family. And that can be basically anybody in the family, correct? Yes, a significant other, your best buddy, you know, who's trying to help you get through it. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. Any, you know, if you don't have a family, you may have a social worker that can comment, say, you know, Don here's been living on the street and got diabetes and an alcoholic. Your social worker can go with you because they may have more fat, they have things to, to supplement. Uh-huh. See, that's part of the principles, seven principles. One of the later ones, six or seven, is and, to know your client and where he is right now and what and his that, personal goals are and spiritual beliefs are. Okay, that's, so, that's yeah. got to be a wrap. Um, we have done it again, and uh, I appreciate it, Don, and look forward to more about PTSD next week on A Veteran's Place, America's Web Radio. And stay tuned for Health Care Insight. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.